Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we use our extendable arms for some socially distanced hugs to comfort each other in the wake of the arms graphic novel cancelization. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I'm joined, as I'm always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the latest NPD numbers and the announcement of a new Ninja Turtles game. And then on Thursday, we're going to be talking about entry points for Nintendo series. But Mark, in the meantime, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I can't believe the time is finally here for us to choose a winner of the Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore giveaway, although not right now, in a second, in a little right. bit. Mark, I mean, what that, that, <laughs> that's an amazing tease for something that's going to happen in like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, but you, you're, you're doing so good. Uh, everyone's doing so good. It is uh, like, look, I know we've uh, long since gotten rid of the weather report. But uh, rainy and cold here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's fitting. I don't know. It's been rainy and cold, which has me thinking back to this time last year when it was rainy and cold, and we were just getting used yeah. to pandemic life. And now it's like, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? It almost seems unbelievable. It does almost seem unbelievable, but I think I think we're getting there. We have, I, I believe, we are right around the one year anniversary of us first recording um episodes remotely uh so yeah i mean i i don't know man it's something that we've all uh slouched into and it'll be a it'll it sarah and i were just talking about this that it happened so suddenly right that like everything shut down and we just mm-hmm. like stopped seeing people uh and it's all going to come back so slowly and every step of it is going to be hard and weird and scary right yeah i think it is going to be <sighs> interesting but exciting. Speaking of interesting but exciting, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? It's my copy of the Nintendo Switch game. You can try. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com. Uh, and provide us with a mailing address where I can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. It doesn't cost you anything. There might be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there, um, and that's just the thing that happens. Uh, it can't be predicted by anyone except for possibly me. Uh, it, no one can make any requests, even in, including myself, as to when uh, the Goose Game goes out and when the Sonic Forces goes out. It is beyond. Uh, it is in my control, but beyond my decision-making ability. Does that make sense? It makes total sense to me. I'm 100% on board. Mark, thank you. We are also now... We have reached uh, the end of our uh, month-long thing where you can enter to get a uh, copy of Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. I don't want to call it uh, Encore. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) I don't want to call it a contest because it's not a contest. We're just giving away uh, a a copy, uh, a code. Um, And people did so by uh, writing in, telling us what their mirages um, would be. Um, mirages, of course. Mark, can you walk us through what what a mirage is? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a uh, your avatar <laughs> in battle. So basically, it's like 
um, you don't know that you're someone who like can uh, have a connection with mirages, but then suddenly you do. And I think mm. actually they call you a mirage master. I've I finished playing this game like a little over a week ago, and already it is slipping from my brain like so much like slime. Um, but yeah, so like you're a mirage master, and a mirage is like somebody from a different in the game. A mirage is somebody from a right, different right, like right, right. universe who uh, an alternate reality who imbues you with power. Uh, and so it's kind of like your avatar, somebody who um, would lead you in battle, somebody whose uh, attributes you might take on in battle. Right. So thank you to everyone who wrote in uh, telling us who your mirages would be. I love all of them. Everyone did a great job. Um, should we read through some highlights and then announce the winner? Should we read through highlights, announce our own mirages and then announce the winner That's <laughs> yeah the order. yeah let's let's do the second one and also important to note um that yes the winner was not picked by whose mirage we liked best the winner was picked randomly yeah yes at random at random um so uh what one one mirage here that i wanted to uh shout out was um alana who wrote in saying my mirage would absolutely positively what 100 percent without a doubt Jerry Garcia of the American rock and, rock and Roll Jam Band, The Grateful Dead. Why? Because when I'm elbows deep in a heady 20-minute jam, there's nothing I can't accomplish. Also, because I feel uh, because I really feel like no one else uh, would choose him. Being a Nintendo fan and a deadhead is not very common intersection of interest for people, you know? Thanks for the opportunity to be silly, and also for the chance to win a cool game, Alana. It's a good pick. Uh, a, a musician is a good pick. That is a good pick. And I would actually love to know what the intersection of uh, Deadheads and Nintendo fans, specifically the intersection of Deadheads and Nintendo fans who also listen to this podcast. Sure. Okay. I mean, you, you know, uh, I'm not going to say that she is a Deadhead, but uh, frequent guest on the show, Ryan Mogi, comes from a family of Deadheads. Um, she's sort of like a reluctant deadhead. Like it's, it's part of like her family culture, but she doesn't like it. That's amazing. Which I, I always think is incredible. Uh, so thank you, Alana. Very nice work there. Uh, another one that I just wanted to quick shout out, and there's not too much written here, but from Daniel. Uh, Daniel writes, "My mirage would definitely be a Magikarp. We are both equally skilled in combat," which I think is <laughs> very cute and very funny. Um, let's see. And then the next one I wanted to highlight was Juno. Uh, Juno wrote, my mirage would be Chase McCain from Lego City Undercover. Mark, not, this is not really a, a character that I'm super familiar no, with. No, not at um, all. But I do think it's hilarious that, uh, you know, he's, uh, the, the movie, or the game is like an action movie uh, pastiche, um, and that the character's name is uh, McCain being so close to McClane um, is, is very funny to me. Yeah. Uh, but so Juno writes in with, with four bullet points. Um, one, I love I love Lego bricks and anything adjacent to the Lego group. Two, I love video games, and he's a video game exclusive character. Great point. Uh, number three, I love Nintendo, and there's a Nintendo exclusive there's Nintendo exclusive content in the game. Another good point. Uh, and final point is I'm a Wii U apologist, and the game was exclusive to that system for several years. Uh, as as another Wii U apologist, uh, I, uh, I I feel that I feel that one, Mark. <laughs> It's a good pick. It's a good pick. It it is a good pick. Uh, and then uh, the last one I wanted to shout out here was uh, Christian who wrote in saying, 
Um, so Patrick was my mirage. Legitimately, that's the joke I had. But I feel he's pretty adamantly denied the position. So we have to move on to interview other candidates. That's true. I believe there was an episode where I said that I would not be <laughs> anyone's mirage. That's right. You refused. Uh, uh, I've refused. Um, Christian says, a close second for me would have to be Andrew Jackson. He was a president. He got in a duel, was shot in the heart, and when he's, and still won the duel, and just lived with that bullet in his heart, and then bought a gi- brought a giant cheese wheel into the White House just because he thought it would be fun. That's the kind of power I'd like in a mirage. Um, I mean, the, the reasoning is sound. I think there's a lot more to Andrew Jackson than just <laughs> <laughs> losing a duel and having been shot in the heart. That would maybe make him like a lousy mirage. Um, but uh, it, worth, worth shouting out and um, a fun little bit of U.S. history there. Um, Mark, which of course brings us to the question of who would your mirage be? Yeah, and you, let me ask you this. Have you put any thought into who your mirage is? I, or is this, I, are we, you I have? I did think about <laughs> it. I did think about it. I, great, I, great. I, 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 yeah, I'm coming prepared. And my answer is, I think, very clearly going to be, oh my God. Oh, Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote. I blanked for just a second and it was horrifying. <laughs> it, that was so that scary. That was incredible. I saw your soul leave your body. That was so scary. That was so scary. Over Zoom. Um, yeah. Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote. Uh, may I be so lucky to have her confidence her poise, her cunning. Yep. I mean, uh, and then if I was going to pick a video game character, so I guess I have two, like if we're like uh, Jessica Fletcher, no, but how about Slippy Toad? Yes. I think Slippy Toad would be my, from uh, the Star Fox franchise, would be my video game avatar if I was choosing one because I think like he's stealthily, I mean, he is uh, overtly annoying but stealthily, like, right. somebody you'd want in your corner, right? Like, Slippy Toad doesn't give up. Yeah. You know, I forget exactly how we got there and what the situation was, but there was a ranking that we were doing that Slippy Toad was in, and we, like, slotted him real low right away. And then, like, as the night went on, it was like, no, I think actually, like, <laughs> Slippy's close it's to so being annoying, MVP. I know, like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. But th- so that's mine. What about you, Patrick? Um, so one thing that I discovered about myself this last week, uh, so we, we have this, uh, this plant, this, it's, it's like a seven or eight foot tall, uh, Dracaena. It's, it's like a little tree that, uh, lives in our apartment, um, and has, you know, had like pretty minimal growth and it's been here for years, right? Like we've had this thing for maybe five or six years. Um, and just over the last two weeks, it started to flower um and uh so like this giant stem like a two foot long stem with like flowers just like you know sprouted out of it and uh put like a really it's it's very odorous but not in a bad way mm. right it's it's just it it has it has a very like planty smell um and it's something that uh like is strange is not normally like i'm i'm not a perfume kind of guy but just like having this intense plant smell uh, like in the little apartment, I was like, "Yes, this is this is maybe like a uh, a primal uh, primordial part of me." Um, so I'm gonna go with Swamp Thing. I'm gonna say Swamp Thing <laughs> is my <laughs> is my mirage. Because um, also, look, Swamp Thing is a scientist. Uh, a scientist. I I, I like science. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like having a a connection to nature. 
Uh, and now, you know, just discovering that I, I have, uh, I, I also like the smell. I would love the smell of hanging out with Swamp Thing. Well, plus Swamp Thing is a notorious deadhead, so checking all the boxes. That's right. He follows him around on tour all summer. Um, the winner, Mark, the winner of uh, this code for Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sharp, F-E, Encore, goes to Jason. Jason wrote in saying that his av- or his uh, Mirage would be Kirby. Um, let, me, let me pull up his, his reasoning here. Um, Jason said, uh, my Mirage would be Kirby. Oh, he just he does not explain. He's just thanks for the contest and <laughs> and the awesome podcast. Again, not technically a contest. I don't think. Uh, I believe there are some Definitely laws not. or rules that mm. <laughs> apply to contests. This is a giveaway. Um, this is a so, lawless uh, podcast. That's <laughs> that's right. All right. Uh, congratulations, Jason, on your not win, but for getting. <laughs> getting this copy uh this code um this was super fun we also had uh cindy jean write in um she said that she was not interested in uh like entering the contest but did want to uh tell us what her mirage or what who are who her mirage would have been she says when you explained what a mirage was i knew exactly who fit the dis- who fit the description uh dementio from super paper mario for the wii one of the more obscure characters in the mushroom verse, Dementio is a court magician under the evil Count Black. Um, and then there's a, a part in here with spoilers, which I think I'm going to skip because I don't know. I don't have enough context for that game to know uh, if they're like game ruining spoilers. Um, but the explanation goes on. Uh, he is one of my favorite Nintendo characters and deserves more recognition than he gets. He has the powers of inhale flight. So I guess like Kirby um, teleportation. Uh, dimension flipping, reality warping, hypnosis, illusions, duplication, and general excellence in magic. He can even create explosions with a single snap and summon what I think are magic shurikens from his fingertips. This all made for uh, this all made more dangerous by his immense intelligence and plan making skills, which greatly exceeded that of the normal Nintendo villain. So, oh Cindy gosh. Jean, thank you. F- yeah, it, I mean, he seems like a, a character that we need to know more about. <laughs> yeah, I like think. possibly the most powerful character in the Nintendo universe. I, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's a lot to uh, it's a lot to contend with there. Um, Mark, we've got uh, we've got two more emails. Man, I, I pulled a lot of emails for us today. I uh, 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 we have an email from Jonathan. Jonathan writes in and says, "Oh." This was uh, just to uh, address something that you and I did not agree on in a previous episode. Mm. Um, uh, He says, hi, Patrick and Mark. I just listened to your most recent episode. Apex Legends is a battle royale similar to Fortnite. I believe you were thinking of Valorant, which is a hero shooter similar to Overwatch. Um, Mark, you and I do not have a solid handle on what is a (laughs) battle royale and what is a, uh, a hero shooter. Um, I th- so we'll probably get it wrong again in the future. <laughs> I think that's true. I um, but I'm really glad that Jonathan wrote on wrote in because I think he was proving me correct. So those are my favorite yeah, types that's right. of emails. Yeah, well, not just proving you correct, but uh, uh, kind of proving me a jerk too because <laughs> you said <laughs> you said it was a battle royale. And I was like, I think it's a hero shooter, Mark, because the last time we were talking about something like that, I was right, but I was wrong <laughs> in this. And this, I mean, I think pretty fair to say uh, that neither of those are really either of our genres uh, as it is. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, and sort of on that topic, uh, Colton wrote in um, saying uh, he was listening to our, our Pokemon Snap uh, episode uh, and said, uh, I heard you say you'd love to get into Overwatch, but that you're no good at first-person shooters and don't want to disappoint your team. Uh, let, uh, let the fact that Overwatch is a... Don't let the fact that uh, Overwatch is an FPS prevent you from enjoying the game. This is it, this is in no way like Call of Duty or Battle or Battlefield. Um, so yes, uh, there, there's there's more explanation here, um, but uh, I'll go off uh, the the email a, a little bit here. I did play Overwatch for uh, a, a couple weeks. Um, got intimidated using the uh, more offensive characters and took on a healer role. I really liked playing as uh, Lucio. Um, but the other healer classes were, were fun for me too. And it is true that the game does find a way to make you feel useful and valuable, even if you are not good at getting headshots or like getting close with a, like a shotgun like weapon, um, or even in setting traps and stuff. Like there are a lot of ways to, uh, demonstrate your value to your team, uh, which is mostly what Colton is saying, uh, in, in this email. And I totally agree with that. I still didn't like having the pressure of not disappointing my... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're going to be a healer character, you got to, like, be in the right place to heal people. And is that maybe an extremely, like, dialed down level of stress from, like, everyone else? Yeah, absolutely. But I still, I still felt it. <laughs> Um, all right. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. Uh, that's all very fun. Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So we got a review code from uh, the publisher of a game that is coming out later this week called Space Otter Charlie. And I played through it this uh, past week and um, I, 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 I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, okay, so before I say who I think should play this, I have to set the table a little bit where it's like, you know how when sure. um, you are recommending a band to somebody and... You don't want to say like, oh, this band is like this other band because they don't sound alike. But it's more like if you enjoy this band, I think you will enjoy this other band, even though they don't necessarily like sound alike. Sure. Okay. All right. Sure. Premise granted. Premise granted. Great. Yes. So I think that if you enjoyed Yoku's Island Express or a game like Celeste, I think you would enjoy Space Whoa. Otter Charlie. Even though I can't stress this enough, they are not the same type of game. But I think if you enjoyed one, you would enjoy the other. So Space Otter Charlie is like a puzzle platformer. And it kind of reminded me of Yoku's Island Express because it has a, um, like an interesting movement mechanic. You're not just, it's not just like running and jumping. It's you are in, you're like an otter in outer space. And so you're in a zero-G environment. So the way it works is you can kind of like... Uh, you stick to a surface, and then you aim using the uh, analog stick, like, the direction you want to go, and then you can, like, you jump that direction, and you have a mm. jetpack, so you can, like, course correct and cruise a little bit, but that's your primary, like, method of movement. Um, oh, do you know what that's actually a, a lot like is uh, an indie game that came out on Switch a couple years ago called Dandara. Um, oh. Has a, a very similar, th there's no, uh, there's no, like, jetpack to adjust it, you just have to, like, point to whatever surface you're you're headed to next and uh just like launch yourself in in, in that direction yeah and then you stick to walls and ceilings and stuff. oh yeah yeah so it's it's very similar to that and it, like it's really um uh i i found it like i thought it was fun and one thing that you know that i got frustrated with with yoku's island express 
for me is like not knowing where I was going or like knowing where I wanted to go, but like not being able to actually like engage the locomotion to get me there. But this game, like uh, Space Otter Charlie is much more, um, I would say like it's, it's, it's not hard. Like uh, it's definitely like all audiences intended for all audiences because I think I beat the whole thing. I, I don't know exactly because I wasn't, but it's definitely between like five and 10 hours and probably closer to okay. five than 10. And that was to, I like pretty much a hundred percent it. Um, and so there was no time where I was like lost or I didn't know where I was supposed to be going, which to me was like so relaxing and nice because I hate not knowing where I'm supposed to go in video games. Yeah. And so that was really fun. Or the, for me, that was really fun. And so the challenge just comes from like, okay, like I need to execute this platforming or i need to like defeat these enemies and like i died and so i have to like restart but it's a it's cute like the 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 art style is cute um i think like the big thing was just i was surprised when it was over with because the package that's there is like complete there's unlockables there's other animal like there's weapon upgrades and um uh like upgrades for your armor and then you are like recruiting sea creatures to live on your spaceship while you guys are trying to find like a new planet to call home. So there's like all there's like stuff for you to do, but it is very much like, oh, like I got to the end of it and I was like, oh, like that was a complete package, but that was also like uh, maybe five hours. That's sort of satisfying though, like to finish a game and like be done with it in, in five hours in just a couple like sittings that. That actually sounds wonderful. Let me ask you this. Um, Space Otter Charlie, is that the main character, the character you're rescuing, or your enemy? <laughs> that's, that's the main character. You are playing okay. as an otter in outer space, and your name is Charlie. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's, it's the Mario Zelda uh, Metroid question, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> main, main character, person you're rescuing, or the enemy. But, like, it's, it's a cute game. There's... Um... One some of the collectibles are like otter facts. So when you pick up like a the item, it like Amazing. displays a fact about otters on the screen. Like it's uh, it really is. I guess just like a complete package. It has everything, but it is uh like short. Basically, is what it comes down to. Yeah. Short but enjoyable. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, just queuing off of um complete package. Um, because I'm playing a, I, I'm playing uh, Fire Emblem Fates, uh, the Birthright um, playthrough on the 3DS. Is that the combination um, of the two games? No. So Birthright is the like the the version of the game where you go back to your your original family. So the the, the way the game is structured is, um, and you have to buy either uh, Conquest or Birthright, um, like in oh you know, okay. like that's that's the package you buy. Um, and in Conquest, you you go back to the it's the, the the whole premise of the game is that you were taken from um, the uh, Hoshidoin uh, family by the Noor family, um, and so you spend a, a couple uh, missions where you are fighting like as the Noor, um, and, but then the uh, the Hoshidoins um, like find you and like liberate you, and then they there's this point where like it poses it like it's a choice, right? Like. But you've already purchased the version of the game that you're going to... Or, I mean, there, there, you can get, um, like, the complete package that is all of it. Um, but that's uh, literally buying the game twice. Like, it's, it, that, that is then an $80 package uh, for a, a 3DS game. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, I just just uh, wanted to cue off of what you were saying about that being a complete package. What I'm playing right now feels very much like an incomplete package mm. um, because there is, you know, this like second version of the game that I could be playing that I feel like I'm missing out on a little bit and just a ton of DLC um, in sort of the traditional Fire Emblem mode of, um, you know, there being just like little paralogs and, uh, uh, you know, s- series of side quests that you can like that are, are appear in like my lineup of things that I can address next. Um, but then it's like, Oh, by the way, that's three ninety nine, And I'm like, uh, okay, oh. no, you know, I just want to like, and it, which isn't to say that like the game that is there uh, is lacking. There is a ton of content that is there and that is free um, and, and all of that. But it's just like, I'm constantly being reminded that like, yeah. there is more I could be spending money on, which is a, a bizarre thing to experience when you're, playing a, a full price game right um but that being said uh you know I, I started playing because we were talking about um games that we wanted to get the pokemon snap uh, uh treatment in the previous episode um and fire emblem was was one of mine um and i was like no you know what i also just like i like the game like why don't i go back to uh, a fire emblem game that i enjoyed when i started but never got very far in um and so uh, that's that's what I'm doing, and you know I, I still I still do have the occasional experience where I get like deep into a battle, and I'm like, you know, I've been playing a battle for like 25 minutes, and then like, you know, some extra knights, uh, evil knights, get added to the board and like kill three of my characters, and I'm like, nope, I'm losing all that <laughs> progress, uh, and I'm still too proud to put it on not permadeath, and I, I don't know why that is, especially as I'm asking for like a version of Fire Emblem where I can, you know, just like like I could basically turn it into Pokemon Snap if I turned the difficulty way down and turned off uh, permadeath and even just did the auto battle, um, but I refuse for whatever reason. <laughs> I actually didn't know that you could turn off permadeath in uh fates so is that could you do that in awakening too like is it something that's been in the series for a while i don't remember if you could do it in awakenings i think you probably can um i mean i i think that well well permadeath is something that the fire emblem series is known for they haven't made it uh Mm, something mm -hmm. that you have to engage with for for a while you know um but it's super cool i'm really enjoying the story the characters are really fun um, I just uh married my main character to um a a ninja character, and they had a baby that they then sent into an alternate dimension to grow up. It's very strange, um, but very cool. Uh, and so yeah, I'm 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 enjoying it a lot. There is a um, there is a character in the game who's like a fortune teller who you can have them read like the quality of uh, any two characters relationship at a specific point in the game. But I almost feel like either, either my, (laughs) my radar for character relationships is way off or the fortune teller is giving me the exact opposite of real information. Like, (laughs) because he'll say things like these two characters can't stand each other. And I'm like, what? They've got like a, a class S relationship. Uh, I, I think they're really good together and then like they get married and like oh yeah that's doomed and then other <laughs> characters that have never been with each other at all before it's like yep they're soulmates so I don't know what's happening here <laughs> either you, I don't know is, what I'm talking about or I'm being lied to is part of this game like you will be able to see if like you are correct or if like the fortune teller is no. correct oh okay I don't I, I don't think so <laughs> 
I think I think he's lying to me, which I think is a fun angle. Uh, but that also may may not be the case, and I've just uh, turned myself into a fortune telling skeptic, which is true in real life. So I guess. <laughs> I'm just role-playing myself. Do you remember how you chose the birthright version of Fates when uh, you had to choose between the two whenever you picked it up the first time? No, because I picked it up when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I think uh, the, the birthright version is sort of, like, known as the easier version or is the more, like, sort of open one. Because in, in the con- Conquest version, you know, you are going back to the, like, you know, warring faction, and uh, it's a much more offensive game. Um, whereas Birthright is sort of more defensive and you're sort of, you know, you're conquest, you're playing the bad guy kind of, um, which can be super fun. Uh, but you know, I, I wanted, I, I thought that if I was going to, uh, play them all that I was going to start with the good guy run. I'm kind of glad that they haven't continued this like Pokemon, like two versions of the game type thing going on. Well, and then they also did a a third version, uh, which is Revelation or Revelations or something like that, which combined elements of the of the two campaigns, um, which I believe was not another like full forty dollars, uh, but I think it was like another another twenty or something, and you still had to like purchase the base version of one of the other two games. So like it's a it's a short line between picking the game up and spending a hundred dollars on it, which. <laughs> Is brutal. Well, I've also been playing uh, Super Mario 3D World, and I'm so I'm not that far into it. I think I'm I just beat the third like train thing. It's in a castle, but none of the levels are actually castles. They're sure. like sure trains. Um, a couple of them are. Couple of them are <laughs> castles. <laughs> I'm first one's definitely a castle. The <laughs> first one is a castle. Yeah, I I'm yeah. I'm liking it. I'm finding it difficult to i think it's really interesting like i uh you know before i had only played this game in multiplayer uh either online with this most recent um version of it or like going over to your house and uh playing locally and yeah. you know i i th- i think like the mashup between um you know like 2D style and uh, Mario and 3D style Mario is really like academically interesting, but I don't know that I'm enjoying it all that much. To me, it's like, um, uh, and there there are levels that I enjoy. There are times where it like really clicks, but for me, for whatever reason, like the control scheme, I I, I just want it to be one or the other. Like it doesn't. It's mm-hmm. the I feel like the controls, uh, because you have like more choice. I feel like I end up dying a ton more, which isn't like bad necessarily, but I just feel a little bit out of control when I'm controlling the characters. So I miss the kind of like locked in aspect of traditional 2D Mario. Yeah. But so then when I'm playing, it's like, okay, like it's a, I don't have like the control that I want, but maybe I have control of the camera. And it's like, no, you don't have control of the camera really either. Yeah. And so this is definitely one where like don't try to control the camera. Yeah. Yeah. But and so it's just, which, Again, it's like sometimes for me works really well. And then other times I'm like, I just wish it was one or the other. Like, I wish I could run around in either this like 3D space and let it be fully 3D. Or I wish like it was just more of a traditional 2D Mario game in this like 3D world environment. So, yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about it. It's weird. I've never it actually reminds me most recently of playing Super Mario 64 as part of like 3D All Stars where it's like, ooh, like. There is stuff in here that I like, but there's a lot of stuff around it that I personally find frustrating. 
Um, I mean, I know you you are addressing uh, like fundamental issues about the game, but like third world is really not deep enough in the game to uh, yeah. Be in I love think with that's fair. Yet. Sure. Um, yeah. It's the 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 later levels are so like the the game gets so much like cooler and more interesting and more difficult um, a, a, as it goes. Uh, but you know if if the like fundamental way that you are interacting with it is uh, feels incomplete now, it may uh, continue to feel in- incomplete for you as 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 you go forward. Um, who uh, which which characters are are you using? So I've actually been primarily using Luigi, which um, that's like another aspect of it that I haven't actually messed around with that much is uh, trying it out with Toad or trying it out with like Princess and seeing like if there's like mm-hmm. one character or another who I. Uh, like gravitate towards or like like the control scheme of better um yeah i don't know it, it's it's a really interesting game and you know i played th- parts of 3d land uh on the 3ds um maybe like a couple of years ago and i didn't finish the whole thing and i don't remember having these same like um thought like the same complaints or like the same like issues with 3d land so I don't know. Maybe you it's really just like that, that circle pad. Yeah, yeah. I guess I just <laughs> the thumb pad. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's um, I I definitely going to continue playing it because I want to get further into it. I uh, I want like because I I agree that you know like I feel like I'm only seeing the surface level stuff right now, but it's just interesting yeah. to like have this experience with a Mario game where it's like oh like I don't innately love this. Like what's going on? Man, Mark, I I want you to know I'm working really hard to not just like <laughs> to like understand your experience because <laughs> I love this game, um, uh, but I, I I understand it's it's not going to be for everyone. I will reiterate the advice that I gave you about um, Super Mario sixty four is do not try to wrestle the camera. Yeah. Um, you know, ev- even when you find yourself in a situation where you're like, uh, I wish I had uh, control over it trying to like the little bit of control they give you um is not enough to make up for the fact that they basically know what they're doing when they show you what they show you um but yeah that's that that can be when you have camera control and then someone's like no don't do it (laughs) um i i understand where that where that could be uh unsatisfying i mean there's a lot of it that makes me laugh because like the uh a lot of it is just so darn cute like of course like Luigi being in his cat version is adorable. And when they're like walking around and it's making like the tink, 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 tink sounds like, uh, like it's so cute. Like the game, like uh, that attention to detail, the music is amazing. Like there's so much that I do like about it. And again, that's why it's like kind of weird. It it feels like a mirror universe because there are people who uh, um, just like don't particularly like Mario games. They've never played a Mario game. Like Mario's just not their thing, and I have never been that person. And so to be like on like in this weird like it's a wonderful life version where it's like, but like oh like yeah, I sure. uh, I'm not like fully an angel over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's just been uh, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. Um, I mean, I'll, I will also say that if you are finding any of the controls to be like less intuitive, that may also be a little bit of a Luigi issue. Um because he is a little bit slipperier, his jump is a little bit like mm. higher and has that like sort of narrower arc than uh than the rest of them. Mario feels oh, you know, way more like Mario and the princess has like, you know, obviously that nice little like co- corrective glide. Um 
and is also just generally slower, so she's easier to control. Uh, I will, especially in the uh, Switch release of this game, um, will confess that Toad is too fast for me. He moves oh, okay. too fast, uh, and it is tough to wrap my head around, um, like where he is and like in in the space fast enough to like react. Um, and so I, I will run off the the stage a lot as Toad. Yeah, that's that's my that's my like main problem. Like it's this weird like Z axis thing where it's like I feel like I'm falling off the edge all the time, and I think it's because I'm treating it like in some ways like I'm just treating it like a 2D Mario game where it's like okay if I make this leap. Like, of course, I'm going to land on this platform because I don't have to yeah. worry about, like, depth. But that's definitely not the case here. Like, you're, like, and I kind of wish, I, at least in these earlier levels, I wish they were holding my hand a little bit more where it's, like, no, we're not going to let you fall off the edge. Because I feel like I'm falling off the edge all the time. And I'm not getting better. I don't know. Well, as, as always, Mark, if you need a, an online buddy to play with, I am always here and always ready to play <laughs> Super Mario 3D World. Yeah, for sure. We should do that again. Uh, all right, well, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, March 16th, Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning is uh, released on Switch. So this is an Xbox RPG that um, is being re-released. And uh, I just thought that was... I just thought that was interesting. I, I've never played this game. I don't. I. I. I don't know that much about it. Um, but it, I. I. It was like an Xbox RPG that I had never heard of, which I. I. I don't know. I just thought it was unique. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I- interestingly enough, uh, there's another release uh, today, which is Stubbs the Zombie, uh, Rebel Without a Pulse, which is also, uh, formerly a- an Xbox game, finding its way onto uh the 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 switch um kingdoms of amalur is sort of like a like a skyrim uh like yeah that's like the vibe um, i get from it that i i know um like i i know it by reputation of like uh it is a game that like people slept on um but is you know still fun or whatever i don't know there's a a zero percent chance that i (laughs) I can't get into it on on switch also today, RBI Baseball 21 is released for Switch. And then on Thursday, March 18th, Space Otter Charlie, the game I was talking about earlier, is released. And then on Friday, March 19th, Hades, the physical version, is released for Switch. Um, and then also Plans vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville Complete Edition, which we saw at the most recent Nintendo Direct, is released. Uh, this is the first Frostbite Engine game on Switch, which is kind of interesting that they, uh, you know, went through all the trouble of porting a version of Frostbite Engine. Do you think that this means that we will potentially see more EA games that run on Frostbite Engine to Switch? Or do you think that this was just kind of like a game that they felt uh, matches the Switch's audience? And so that's why they brought it over. I mean, I, I think that that is definitely, the, the, that the latter is definitely the case but i don't know if it's exclusively the case Mm -hmm. right if that's like the only reason um that maybe they will also be bringing other games that they think the audience will respond to um but i mean you know and anytime we talk about uh ea and uh bringing games to switch like plants vs zombies like fine that's that that that's a that that one makes sense but it's also like where where's the sims like 
what, what are we doing here? Like well, we we can have a, we can have other conversations that start other places, but or that go other places. But why aren't we starting with The Sims? Yeah, no, it's really interesting. Like, uh, because we don't even have a regular like regular tower defense plants versus zombies game on the Switch. Yeah, it's this like you know third person shooter, first person shooter. I'm actually can't remember which one this is. Um, <laughs> now this this. Is a battle royale <laughs> oh, yeah. or a hero shooter? Oh, We're oh, not sure. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, but I just I think it's interesting to do all of the work because uh, I was reading an interview on Nintendo Everything with uh, one of the producers or developers of the Switch version of the game, and uh, you know, like they contracted with another studio, I think like QLock or something like that, that to help port uh, the Frostbite engine to Switch. Because so it's, it was clearly not like a simple process. And so to go through all of that um, for this specific game, like, is yeah. an interesting choice. And so I, not that I think like you know like Battlefront or anything like that is going to come to Switch, but I, I, it, yeah, it just makes me curious to see like, well, what does the next version of like FIFA look like? Is is it the Legacy Edition again, yeah. or is it running some version of like uh, Frostbite? Yeah, and like Battlefront, definitely, you know, you're right. That does feel like kind of a weird fit. But like, I don't know, Jedi Fallen Order would uh, crush on Switch, right? Like, if it worked, um, you know, it, it barely worked on uh, the PlayStation and Xbox, so um, maybe that is 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 a fantasy. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. The the EA uh, support for Nintendo platforms is always strange to me because it's a a real chicken and the egg situation, right? Like. They don't bring their their best games or the best versions of their games to the Switch, so they don't sell well on the Switch, so they stop bringing games to this. You know, like, um, like I, I see exactly why it happens, and it's just like, well, okay, uh, you know, may, may, maybe we can just get those games on other platforms. And then also, uh, Square Enix is having a sell on the eShop right now, and when I was looking at the list. I had to stop myself from like buying some of these games, not because I have any intention of playing them anytime soon, but I'm, but I just felt that like collectors need where it's like, but then I would have all of them. Like collection of mana is 20 bucks instead of 40. Uh, Final Fantasy nine is like 10 50 instead of 21 bucks, which like, what is that really how much uh, Final Fantasy nine usually is? Yeah, they they they've got they've got some weird prices that uh Final Fantasy 9 like you say is normally 21 bucks. Final Fantasy 7 is normally $16. It's priced down to 8 here, um which is uh great. Um Yeah, I mean I I'm with you. I'm seeing a lot of like and the, the the Dragon Quest games have been uh discounted before and I know they're just like mobile versions of them, so they're they're not like, you know, the the ideal versions. Um but like I don't know, there's a lot on here that I think I will play at some point. This is back to our backlog situation, right? <laughs> of like, maybe we need to sit ourselves down and say, am I really going to play, you know, Final Fantasy X slash Final Fantasy X to HD remaster? Probably not. Is it only $25? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're interested in any Square Enix games, I would check out their sale on the eShop because uh, a lot is on sale right now and it's a pretty good deal. And uh, I, yeah, Patrick, I think we have to be strong and tell each other not to buy yeah. um, some of these games that we probably Resist. will never Resist get to. It. But it's like, do I cut? Do I want to play f- or do I want to own Final Fantasy VIII Remastered? Like, kind of. Will I ever Kinda. play it? Probably not. 
probably not. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Like, I will definitely buy Final Fantasy VII for eight bucks. I mean, that that's a that's a no lose situation for me. <laughs> except for it's it's a lose eight dollars situation. Right. And yep. I I can I can do that. I can lose eight dollars. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. That is the new releases and the Square Enix sale. Mark, let's close out this segment. Which brings us to a regular segment on the show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. I am starting the recording of 433 right now. Um, our suggestion today comes from Martin. He suggested it back for our 433 episode a couple weeks ago. He says, rank the best ways to make coffee. Uh, so, Mark, I think first thing we need to determine is, uh, what are the ways to make coffee? Um, I think there's the obvious, like, you just brew it in, like, a regular coffee pot, right? Like, mm-hmm. a, like a coffee mate kind of thing. Um, so I, I would say that for for me that's that's mostly how I make coffee. I don't uh, I don't drink coffee all that often, and so like I don't like make coffee really. I usually buy it if I'm getting it somewhere. So like mm-hmm. I I don't really know that much about coffee. So I, I like there's like drip coffee, like you're talking about for like coffee mates. There's mm-hmm. like French press, which I've French heard press, of, yeah. but I don't actually understand like intuitively so French, i know you're yeah. not like squeezing the beans but um that's that sound that is what it sounds like i mean it's it's a little bit more like tea uh, is 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 like the 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 way that the process ends up working is that you are just mixing the uh the, the ground up beans and water and hot water in like a tube for a couple minutes and then you uh, push down the plunger, which separates the grounds from the water. Oh, got it. That makes so much sense. Um, so th- those are those are both good ways to make coffee, uh, and they're both like pretty quick and easy. Um, I would say another way to make coffee, and this is technically making an americano, um, is uh, pulling a shot of espresso from like an espresso machine, and then just adding hot water to that. Yeah, I mean, are we just that's, that's counting, all Americano is? Yeah, are we just counting espresso as like a way to prepare coffee? I think in that way, yeah, because like there are a lot of places that don't have um a, like other methods of making coffee that will just pull a, a shot or two of espresso and fill the rest of the cup up with um with with hot water and just but, that's I mean, their coffee. I know that espresso is like different but also it's the same right it's just like um yeah yeah correct like hot water passing through like coffee beans well okay yeah i mean this is this is a great point is uh ways to make coffee does that mean like drinks that are coffee or just like the genuinely the ways to make coffee yeah oh yeah oh 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 i see like are we like so like does is is a latte different right or yeah, because really, is there only one way to make coffee, which is water and beans, and then, like, what you do yeah, with it one. after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, ooh, I mean, we, we've got ourselves some, like, existential coffee questions here. <laughs> I, and the thing is, like, I, what I thought we were going to get to was, was to the, uh, you know, fr- from, from espresso 
French press or drip coffee. Got it. Got those it. are like okay. the three okay. the three big ways to make coffee. And then each of those has the variation of do you grind grind the beans, use the grounds right away, or are they pre ground, or do you you know like grind them up a, a couple days in advance? You know, like do you buy full bean, or are you? Uh, so I, I think I think each one of those has both variations. I think that. let's just stick with um, ranking drip uh espresso mm-hmm. and french press i think that uh is our clearest shot to victory okay great um so i think look i love the way an americano tastes i love the experience of of an americano no one has a, an oh we're missing the uh the pods um oh of course you yeah know, yeah you're right yep keurig, yeah. like a keurig machine. what are those called a keurig yes yeah um so we gotta throw we gotta throw keurig on there <laughs> um uh m- my least favorite uh in <laughs> in both uh drinking the cup of coffee and uh in making it i find the process to be a little intimidating and i hate how much waste it makes <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it's definitely i i get the appeal for somebody like me who's not a coffee drinker i don't have like a coffee machine at a home right. or anything where it's just like yes like let me just pop this pot in and like boom go like coffee magically appears i definitely get the, like i understand the appeal um okay uh i regret to inform you that our recording of 433 has ended <laughs> there was no applause at the end of it uh so i guess i guess we'll never know we talked about how to make coffee <laughs> i think the gist of it uh came across uh, yeah, I think I-, I think that's right. Um, so the- we were accompanied today by a pianist named uh, Joanna Gamma. Uh, I-, I apologize that there was no uh, applause at-, at the end of this, um, but I just wanted to shout out that one of the I think this is the first time we've used this uh, recording. Um, uh, one of the six comments on this video is, why is it called 433? <laughs> Obviously not a listener uh, of Nintendo Cartridge Society. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. We'll break out the abacus because it's time for some sales data. That's right. The uh, NPD Group's U.S. sales data for February 2021 was released. And uh, the Nintendo Switch was, again, the best-selling hardware platform in both units and dollars in February. Um, They also report that unit and dollar sales of Nintendo Switch hardware in February were the highest for any hardware in a February month since the Nintendo Wii in February 2009. Very good. And uh, total lifetime dollar sales of Switch hardware are now higher than the Nintendo DS. So this is where it gets like a little weird because the NPD group now uh, reports things by revenue, like like dollar sales instead of units sold. So as far as like actual hardware moved, I think the Switch for like as far as Nintendo consoles go, the Switch is only behind the Nintendo DS, the Game Boy slash Game Boy Color. Nintendo like groups those together for whatever reason, and the Wii. Um, and the switch will, uh, the switch has sold about 80 million units right now. So it's about, has about 20 million more to sell until it passes the Wii, um, which has sold about a hundred million. So like potentially this next year, which is super crazy. Well, so wait a minute. It It is still behind the DS in terms of unit sales, yeah, right? Totally. It's just by, by dollar sales that, yes. that is over. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, which you know, uh, obviously the the DS was uh, way less expensive than a a, a Switch. Uh, you know, the still still the base model of the Nintendo Switch, the one that is mostly available, is still three hundred dollars. Yeah, 
Um, as far as software goes, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury was the best-selling game during the reporting period. Uh, but the thing that, which is cool, but the thing that struck out to, stuck out to me is like Little Nightmares 2 was sixth, the sixth best-selling game, which is so crazy to me because like I have, I remember when the first game was shown off for uh, like, I think it existed before, but it was ported to Switch in some like yeah. indie world showcase like or indie part. Sh- yeah. yeah. And then uh, to me, it just looked like this like weird, creepy, Timberton-esque, like, nightmare game and then the second one just seemingly to me came out of nowhere um clearly my gaming horizons are very narrow apparently yeah i mean it's yeah it's it's just one of those interesting things where you're like oh yeah there's uh you, you turn over a rock and discover that there's a whole community uh that's been striving under there um and that obviously uh games that you know don't have uh, necessarily like an obvious home anywhere else like a smaller game or an indie game or, you know, something that is like stylized and platformy or whatever this game is, uh, has a home more or less de facto on Switch. Bloomberg, speaking of sales data, a Bloomberg reporter, Takashi Mochizuki, published an article stating that Nintendo and its partners are targeting a record fiscal year 2021, which runs from April to the end of March next year. Uh, according to this targeting records that, I mean, that's bold. That's, that's some dangerous talk right there where it's like, yeah, we're going to break records. Yeah. Well, so like the, the premise of this article is that most analysts are expecting a decline for the switch in like hardware and software sold because you can't replicate the explosion that happened in 2020 right around like the pandemic and everything. Um, but according to this article, Partners, uh, Nintendo's partners expect game sales to top 250 million units in uh, the next fiscal year. So the article says, quote, a series of marquee game releases is expected to drive software sales next fiscal year to 250 million units, far more than the record 205 million units forecast for the current year, according to the partners and suppliers speaking anonymously as the plans are not public. So a series of marquee games... I mean that that is obviously intriguing as I'll get out um because like right now we don't know what those marquee games would be other than I guess I guess we have a Pokemon remake coming out we've got uh this Pokemon Legends mm-hmm. um which uh is due out early next year which will probably be within this um uh f- financial year so that like that tracks I guess maybe Monster Hunter, uh, possibly two, or no, yeah, definitely two Monster Hunter games, Monster Hunter um, Rise and Monster Hunter Stories 2 um, are both uh, in that. But that still feels to me shy of like, I don't know. And maybe this is just me hyping myself up hearing, uh, you know, multiple marquee titles. Um, that gets my blood boiling, Mark. Like that yeah, gets me, no. <laughs> like I'm excited. Well, okay. If, you know, I... Uh... If we want to read too much into things, here's another quote from it saying, software developers similarly are prioritizing the Switch for their upcoming game releases as the console is almost certain to surpass the 100 million units sold threshold, assuring a large audience of potential customers. So does that mean that third party games are in the mix um, as marquee titles as well? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and and so maybe this just comes down to a a numbers game that there simply are going to be more switches 
in people's homes through uh, the 21, 22 um, fiscal year uh, than there were in the 2021 uh, fiscal year, right? Um, that they have more or less solved the uh, availability problem and people are actually able to buy them and therefore buy more games for them, especially in a year where um, the Xbox Series consoles and the PlayStation 5s are still hard to get. Yeah, uh, yeah, that could totally be true. I mean, th- there are some like tantalizing rumors out there for third-party games that haven't been revealed yet that are supposedly coming this year. Like, um, uh, there is supposedly a major Resident Evil title that is coming, like at least initially exclusively for Switch, to be revealed after Village is released. Um, that's going to be like its own thing, and so you know, like. That is potentially, as somebody who um, enjoys Resident Evil, like that's potentially very exciting. So I don't. I mean, like, is Breath of the Wild two something that could come out this fiscal year or next fiscal year? Because, like you said, it, the financial year goes until the end of March twenty twenty two. So even if right. like Breath of the Wild two didn't come out this fall, what if it came out in March, like early March, like the original Breath of the Wild did? Um, so I don't know. The the uh, all of this is like very tantalizing, especially after we just got this major Nintendo Direct that didn't really tell us much about you know Nintendo's year. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess that's not fair. It did tell us quite a bit of like the first half of it, but anything after June is pretty much still a mystery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it is it is so interesting. Like they're obviously holding not obviously, but I, it it is my theory that they're holding more Zelda announcements until after. Um, uh, the Skyward Sword actually comes out, which mm-hmm. I, I believe is July, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so like you know, we'll probably know more about that. Uh, and you know, maybe maybe all of the the third party things that we've already mentioned, the Pokemon stuff, um, Skyward Sword, whatever other re releases they're going to do there, um, plus Mario Golf, uh, plus like one or two other sort of medium level Nintendo things. Like maybe it doesn't have to be. Maybe we don't need another like mind blower for this to be like a really good year for Nintendo, right? Like we may be overvaluing a Mario Odyssey or a Breath of the Wild or an Animal Crossing or even a like uh, Fire Emblem Three House. You know, like it may not need to be some like catastrophically big game. Yeah, I think that's true. You could potentially get there with like a number of like triples instead of trying to hit like a grand slam. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see. Again, this it's all it feels very much like the way this article was written, it does not feel to me that um the author of it like knows what these big marquee releases are necessarily. Uh just that people are talking as if that is the reason why these uh games are going to be released. So it feels like speculation on both side sides. Um as yeah. far as hardware goes. The uh, article basically notes that like a Switch revision is coming later this year, and they base that on the reporting from Bloomberg News. So, uh, so the the article says that the hardware is will match 2020 or potentially rise. Again, those are like big, those are big goals. Like Switch in its yeah, like uh, man, I guess this is its fifth year, fourth year. Yeah, yeah, st- well, yeah, started 2017. So this, yeah, fourth year. Yeah, yeah, is just, like, hitting its stride and could have, like, a, like, huge year. Like, it, it just, it's 
it's kind of crazy. Like back in February when the president of Nintendo was like, yeah, we think the Switch is at its mid life cycle point. It's just kind of nuts to think about that. Yeah, it has been out for so long and it really still feels fresh. Like it feels like it's just barely beginning to take off. Yeah, it it feels like it is still a like it is still a vital platform. Um, but like it, it's it's so interesting to think of like the the 2019 that it had felt like uh there were a lot of uh again sort of to, to use your terminology from earlier like a lot of great triples um and some that you know maybe even uh, edged into inside the park home runs like Luigi's Mansion or Fire Emblem um but like there were just a lot of games that had like a really high profile and that uh people were excited about. Whereas this last year was really just Animal Crossing. There was other stuff too, but like Animal Crossing was the marquee title, whereas the year before had multiple. Um, and I just like, you know, Nintendo always goes through these like, uh, it's, it's uh, fam- feast and famine, right? Um, and I just, I, I wonder if we're like on the precipice of another feast. Yeah, that's true. I also think our like, um, what we consider like home runs is kind of skewed because. I think like Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which I was very excited for, but, you know, doesn't have like the cultural cache of a Breath of Wild 2, still sold like 10 million units, you know, like something like that. So even those like triples are, in in some regards, just like crazy successful. I mean, even Pikmin 3 Deluxe sells over a million copies. So like, you know, what what, what do we know? Um, back in 2017, Dark Horse announced a partnership with Nintendo to publish graphic novels based in the ARMS universe, and they were originally planned to debut in fall 2018. Uh, there was even a sampler that was published for Free Comic Book Day in 2018, but obviously those didn't actually come to pass. And over the past few years, we've gotten like periodic updates saying that the g- novels were delayed but were still happening. However, it seems that they are now indeed completely canceled. Um, The website of writer In Flynn, who wrote the free comic book day preview, has been updated to state that the original plans for the series have been scrapped. Dark Horse hasn't shared anything official, but at this point, it seems like the ARMS graphic novel universe uh, killed in the crib, never never going to see the light of day. Yeah, and I mean that... You know, well, well, we don't have anything official. Like hearing something from Ian, um, he, you know, he's uh, currently writing on the um, Sonic the Hedgehog comics, um, and you know, has been doing so for a while. And I mean, all, all of which is to say is that he is a good, uh, like herald or like shepherd of IP. He knows what he can say and he knows what he can't say. He knows when something is still sort of alive and he knows when something is dead. So um, if Ian Flynn is telling you, yeah, the original plans have been scrapped and can't elaborate on what's coming next, probably means it's uh, dead in the water. I'm, th- I'm so curious about this. I would love to find a copy of like the comic book day preview because, mm-hmm. yeah, I- I'm really curious what this was going to be. Yeah, I've interviewed Ian before. Um, I wonder, maybe I can reach out to him and see if he can share anything. Probably can't share anything, <laughs> but <laughs> it would it would it would it would be fun. It would be fun to know. Yeah, that would be awesome. Get a, one of those NCS exclusives that everybody's always Ooh, talking yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Square Enix is we hosting are a, a news breaking present. organization. <laughs> Sorry, well, I didn't I mean, mean to interrupt you. Just to no, jump no, on us. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's true. People still t- turn to us for uh, mm-hmm. Billy Mitchell updates. So, 
Square Enix no relation. Is, no relation. Uh, Square Enix is hosting a streaming presentation on Thursday, March 18th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. It's going to be a 40-minute broadcast featuring upcoming games from Square Enix and sister company Taito. Uh, I'm actually not sure how much of this will be like Nintendo-related. Um, I know Balan Wonderland is going to be present because uh, that game is coming out. Uh, actually, I think the same day as Monster Hunter Rise. So we're praying yeah, for you, Balan Wonderland. Um, other feature titles include an all more information on an all new Life is Strange, Outriders, Marvel Avengers, Tomb Raider 25th Anniversary, some new Square Enix Montreal games, and then Just Cause Mobile. So again, maybe some surprises, but not a ton there that is going to be that has been announced that's Nintendo related. I do wonder if we'll see something for like Tomb Raider's 25th anniversary, maybe like a collection or something that comes to Switch. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Of like the uh, the the newer um, the newer trilogy that came out on, wow. I guess would that have been PS3? I think it that was. Generation? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then maybe the most recent one was like an Xbox One exclusive. At least it was like a timed exclusive, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, I, one of them definitely uh, was. Yeah. I would actually be more interested if it was like a classic collection. Uh, the new games I did not enjoy. Well, you and I played uh the the first of the new ones uh for uh, for a couple hours um and like sort of had a good time, right? We had a good time, but like the game is like absurdly violent. I thought, yeah, and and like self serious about its violence. <laughs> like as remember well. when she's like she's like you like are careening down a river and then you die because you didn't you like didn't get out of the way of some oh, debris yeah. so you get like impaled like like a like bamboo through your eye it's like nuts it was just totally it felt out of control to me well and i think she gets impaled on stuff even when you do it right you know <laughs> like that's just part of the narrative of the game laura croft gets impaled by stuff uh yeah i mean you know i think my my like dream wish list for this would be um you know more uh, PlayStation and specifically Super Nintendo era uh, Square Enix games coming to Switch. Um, you know, I just want another way to play Final Fantasies 2, 3, and uh, Chrono Trigger. Um, and I know, look, I know we're never going to see Secret of Evermore on another platform, but let's bring it to Switch! <laughs> you have any uh, I, uh, other hopes for this one, Mark? I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I, I would just really like to see Chrono Trigger playable on switch and part of me feels like oh maybe i should just buy like i should track down a ds uh uh cartridge of the ds port and just have it with my 3ds yeah. because for me that's like the definitive version of that game and i feel like if we got it for switch it would probably be like the pc port of like the mobile version like that sort of thing and yeah i don't know how how interested i am in playing that i when i go back to chrono trigger i really want to like recapture my memories of playing yeah. it and so totally but but i mean honestly i i would probably pick up any version of chrono trigger that they and if they release chrono cross that would be awesome because i've never played that game oh, and i know yes i know that it has like a mixed reputation but like i'm i feel far enough away from it at this point that like i would just mm -hmm. be curious to experience it in general well and chrono cross is a game of of excesses right like there's too much of everything <laughs> um and you know just <laughs> if uh if uh dc movie fans can be excited about a uh snyder cut of justice league which will almost certainly be an exercise in excesses um then square enix fans can also be excited about uh chrono cross sometimes it's what you want 
Sometimes you just want too much of something. Yeah. Um, you, what do you think the likelihood is that we will uh, get any Dragon Quest announcements during this presentation? I feel sl- I think it's slim. Like looking at the list of games that they have, it feels pretty packed already. And not just packed, but it feels very like from their Western studios or Western focus. Like it doesn't seem yeah. like a showcase for whatever their Japanese studios are working on. So I will kind of actually be surprised if we get those sort of like classic Square Enix titles mixed in with this. Yeah. Finally, uh, last week, a trailer for a new retro-style Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles beat-em-up game was revealed. The game is called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, and it looks, to my eye, like just how I remember the arcade game looking. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It looks an awful lot like um, the same graphical fidelity as uh, Turtles in Time uh, on the in the arcade specifically. Um, I, I, Mark, I'm so excited about this. Like, this is so in my wheelhouse, like a retro beat em up, um, a Ninja Turtles thing. I'm obviously a, a huge Ninja Turtles guy. Um, I love that they are sort of picking up that very, you know, the Turtles have been through so many different like iterations and so many different looks and styles. Um, and they're really going back to that, uh, the 1987 Fred Wolf uh, animated series, like sort of the, the big famous one. Um, there've been three other animated series since then, right? But like, that that is the one that uh, is sort of lodged in in my brain all the time. Um, but they've, uh, you know, one of the things that you like you forget about uh, '80s animated series is that the animation is uh, terrible. Like they they cut a ton of corners. Uh, things are minimally animated. Uh, nothing really looks all that good. Um, but like they really uh, animated the heck out of these characters. They've sort of like slimmed their bodies a little bit to like give them a little bit more make them look less like just weird circles on, on the screen. Um, Mark, did you see this, uh, the, the gif of all of them uh, running, of all four turtles running at once? I don't they think They all have so. different, like, oh, man. Michelangelo is, like, he's leaning back and, like, pumping his fists, and uh, the nunchucks are just, like, flying around. Um, Donatello's got, like, his bow, like, all the way back and is sort of, like, running head down. Um, uh, Raphael's got, like, the size in front of him, and he's sort of, like, pumping his fists. And everyone moves at a different speed, and like you can see the personalities of everyone. Um, it, it seems like there's just such uh, attention to and like excitement about the details of the individual turtle characters, uh, and it's just awesome to see that through the lens of uh, games that anytime you revisit like beat 'em ups, right? And especially for 2021, uh, like they require so many other like tweaks to what those games actually are. Because those games are just quarter muncher games, right? Like they're they're meant to make you uh, put in more money to get more continues. Um, and for a game like that to exist now, it needs to be something more, right? Um, you need to be driven by more than just like, you know, <laughs> where can I put my next quarter? Um, so like just seeing all of that and seeing the 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 art and them like revisiting this uh, has me super excited for this game. Yeah, just from like the what I what struck me about like the trailer and what I saw was that. It. I'm sure if I watch if I watched footage of the old arcade game that I remember and this side by side, that like this would look so much more sophisticated with like the animations yeah. and everything. But like it does a, a really great job of capturing what my memory says that original arcade game would totally. look like. Yeah. Which I think is like when you are doing these retro projects, what you always hope for. And the pedigree of this one, like, um, it's developed by Tribute Games who most recently developed uh, the game, the retro-looking game Panzer Paladin. 
but uh, some members of the team are former Ubisoft developers that worked on Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the game, which of course is another like uh, retro-inspired beat-em-up that has uh, that's held in high regard. Yeah, and uh, you know, part of it's like part of what makes it special is that it has uh, you know like a, a leveling up and item purchasing system and sort of a cool uh, like overworld map uh, to interact with the multiple playable characters that are all different. Um, which I think is something that does get lost in other Ninja Turtles games that uh, or uh, others that are in the beat 'em up style, where all the characters are sort of I- identical. Um, something the original um, uh, TMNT on the NES actually did a great job of distinguishing the the four characters. Um, but yeah, so I I mean I I can't wait to see um, what they do with this and like the uh, the like speaking to your uh, that this like sort of is what our minds like thought the original games were um that to me is sort of personified by uh in the trailer they used a version of the original uh series theme song um as sung by uh faith no more's uh mike Patton, um which you know like the the original song is like a super cheesy like 80s thing and they didn't change it that much for uh Patton to sing it but like it sounds so much cooler and like the you know the rhythm's a little different and like it's faith no more is voice so like it just like it's taking the idea of the original thing and just like polishing it up making it cooler giving it some credibility and like re-delivering it no release date given or technically platforms announced all we know is that it's um, coming to pc and consoles uh it seems like a good fit for the switch but uh we have license to talk about it until they tell us it is not coming to switch so yeah, so it's, I mean, we were in real danger just then of, you know, spending 10 minutes talking about a game that will not come to Switch. But I mean, what, if they're saying PCs and consoles and it's like a retro style game, like, why would it not come to Switch? Yeah, totally. Completely agree. Um, all right. Uh, that is the news. Let's close this out. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. It helps us tremendously when you do that. We like to get out into uh, new ears um, whenever possible. So uh, tell your friends, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at NinCart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying, thanks for listening, my fellow deadheads. Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis's worst patient wasn't Michael Myers? I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films. Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.